0: Second Peter, I uh, was here a few weeks back, or a month or so back, and, and um, went through Second Peter chapter 1, and uh, if you're here for that, good. If, if not, I'm going to do a little bit of a um, recap and a summary, and as always, I like to try and give you some tools, if possible, um, if you're willing, if you want to take notes, uh, concerning a thing called inductive Bible study. And something that any of us and all of us should maybe learn and uh, be able to—it's very simple. It's it's basically simple observation. Any book that we would ever read, we know what's going on in that book. We know what the subject is. We know what the you know the theme is. We can figure this out. And so, with regards to the Bible, the Word of God, uh, it's no different really, because He has intended this. In fact, He He wrote this, and uh, expressly for those that would be seeking Him to know exactly what He wants and uh, what he wants to say to us and and to see his love for us and to know his word, really. Um, But uh, anytime you're doing an inductive Bible study, it's observation first, observation. And that is where you read through it a few times, if not many times, just to see what kind of appears to rise to the surface. Uh, Some of the simple things you'd want to look for are, are common phrases or common names, common words, one of the very basic things is in the very first verse or verse, few verses usually is who's the author, that's important. Uh, who's the recipient, that's important. And uh, as for, you know, going on, you'll want to look for things such as reasons why he plainly states why he wrote what he's, what he wrote. And you'd want to make note of that. These are building the context of the whole book. And so you're looking at uh, reasons, uh, key words and phrases that come out, things that are repeated and, and then the subjects of the book begin to come forward. These are things you want to just make a list of. And then as you're doing any book, any Bible study, you just kind of make note of these things as you go. And then it begins to set up a, a framework, a, a context. And so I, I like to do that. I like to, to hopefully you know, give you those tools. From that, you can usually find a theme and then you can look up for contrasts where there's a, you know, if then type of thing or a because of this, then that, or there's this type of guy as opposed to that type of guy. Um, so in, in Peter, in the first chapter, we went through some of that. We see that he's a bondservant. You can make a list of things said about Peter. He's a bondservant. He's an apostle. In verse 14, he's soon to put off his tent. Uh, you know, he talked about that. We talked about that that first time. He was an eyewitness, Of uh, the glory of God, and when they were up on the uh, Mount of Transfiguration, um, uh, he heard God's voice from heaven. Not a lot of people hear that voice uh, in the physical with his very own ears. And um, also, uh, he's uh, reminding them of the commandments. Uh, be mindful in chapter 3 verse 2 be mindful of the commandments of them the apostles, it's something he actually says we're talking about the prophets and you want to be mindful of the things the the Lord said in the Old Testament and that, and even mindful of them, the apostles and the things, and so just uh, uh, a nod towards the inspiration by the Holy Spirit of the scriptures including the New Testament and so that's something about that as far as the recipients go we studied this too, you know there are those who have obtained like precious faith as Peter. And in uh, chapter 3, verse 8, what's said about them is beloved. Now, there's a lot of other things that are mentioned about them, as we're going to see in chapter 2, what they're putting up with, what they're dealing with, um, and what they would have to watch out for. And so there's a lot of things to put in that list. And reasons for writing, you can note chapter 1, verse 12, and we went through this, uh, to remind what God has done for us and given, and also for us to be diligent to add to our faith, and um, in one verse fifteen, uh, he the reason for writing he also wants to ensure it, so he, he talked about these things in, in his exhortation in the letter, it goes on to say he wants to do whatever it takes to ensure that they stay in remembrance of these things, and then uh, chapter three, one, and two, he talks about uh, to stir up a pure mind and to be mindful. Um, and that goes along with 1 Peter. Um, some of the key words are godliness, mentioned four times, and the godly. Uh, diligence is mentioned a couple, three times. Knowledge and knowing and known is, shows up a dozen times or so. Um, I didn't count it out. It looks like about a dozen the way I wrote it down. but uh, And to remind uh, shows up three or four times. So these are some of the key phrases, and you get the idea. So the, the subjects of the book, all who obtained precious faith. They're the subject. The people who are being written to are part of the subject of this book. And then also uh, the knowledge of God and his word. And uh, that's, like we talked about, one of the key words is knowledge and knowing. A uh, big subject of this book has to do with knowing the word of God. And then God's prophetic word, the holy prophets and apostles. And then we're going to discuss tonight, um, to me, the most unpleasant thing and you know ugly thing about it all. Are these false teachers and false prophets? And um, it's uh, actually kind of an unpleasant Bible study, really, uh, to, to go through the list and to look at these guys. There's encouragement at the end. There's encouragement at the beginning, you know, where he starts to talk about it, and he starts to discuss why uh, it would be necessary to go through this. And um, I think we can guess, but... Uh, some of the other uh, subjects dealt in First 2 uh, Peter is um, the day of the Lord and the coming kingdom. So he talks about that too. So if you want, let's dive in uh, um, by way of, I think I got them all here. So um, chapter 2 of Second Peter, I'm just going to read through the whole thing and then we'll come back and do a couple of word studies and, and talk about it a little bit. I'm going to back up a little bit to verse 19 of chapter 1. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of the truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, And their destruction does not slumber. For God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of the eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ash, Condemning them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man, dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who walk according to the flesh, In the lust of uncleanness and despise authority, they are presumptuous, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. But these, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption." and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime they are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin enticing enticing unstable souls they have a heart trained in covetousness practice practices and uh, wait they have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children They have forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but who is rebuked for his uh, iniquity, a dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice, restrain the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. For excuse me, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, there's a phrase, great swelling words of emptiness, they allure, allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness of the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is bought, brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known to, uh, known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it happened to them according to the truth proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire, so not necessarily a very pleasant subject tonight, uh, but but necessary, and it is the word of God, and it is uh, going to challenge us and exhort us and um, I guess uh, starting off with his let's see if we can get a little comfortable here some of the things that they 're going to do in the first uh, couple of verses. Uh, there are false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly in, uh, bring destructive heresies. That word "secretly" being uh, crafty, craftily uh, to lead aside, uh, to introduce. It's it's uh, pretty simple to understand. It, it's a secretive thing, but it's also they're just not uh, they're planning this. This is something that's been going on with them that they're seeking to do. Um, now it's something that is is destructive and that word really is damnable leading to hell eternal. Um, these heresies are things that basically are not just this sidebar of, of how you interpret some scripture or another to, uh, to come up with your doctrine within the, within the circle of, of uh, the fundamentals of true Christianity. Um, oftentimes say the difference between uh, um, uh, one saved all is saved, and somebody who might lose their salvation, which we actually might talk about tonight a little bit, but as we get into this, but also you know the the different uh, ideas about uh, the rapture per se or eschatology seems to be something that there 's a lot of division on and different things like that, and you know that may or may not I personally don 't necessarily believe that that is something that if you have a different view of eschatology that 's damnable if you know the Lord Jesus Christ and he is the one. Uh, true God uh, with the Father and the Holy Spirit from all eternity and you believe that he raised from the dead that's the gospel and you have him you have the gospel and that's what you're hanging on to that's what they're trying to deny it says the one that he even the Lord who bought them and you you go back to when John saw Jesus he says uh, you know behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world all of the world's sins have been bought and paid for all of them now what happens is, if you believe and receive, you have Jesus, and He is the propitiation for your sins. And uh, as such, these guys were bought, okay. But they don't believe. They have a heresy. They got the wrong Jesus. They're be- they're teaching something else, uh, whether it's a, a uh, Jehovah's Witness or a, or a Mormon type of thing, where Jesus really isn't the Son of God from all eternity. With the Father, uh, so He therefore is not can't be God, you know, or at least it's a small G, if anything, you know. So they want to twist it and they deny the Lord that bought them. Again, this is testimony to the fact that Jesus is God and not um, just a uh, phantom that they want to you know t- twist into their own understanding. Um, something that's uh, they bring on themselves swift destruction, and uh, as such, you know that is. Uh, they're teaching a heresy, a heresy that is a destructive, damnable, and they bring to themselves swift destruction. Now, the interesting part, or disturbing part, if you will, it says, and many will follow their destructive ways. Now, uh, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed, the guys that do this may not necessarily, or gals for that matter, may not necessarily be known in the world. They may, maybe they are. But because of, people believing them and then pursuing and going after these uh these heresies and then just living by covetousness and living uh you know however they want to it it then causes non-believers in the lives of these believers who are now being led away to blaspheme and you know we've probably all been in that situation or we've heard of a situation where there's somebody who who is either uh um, not behaving like a believer or whatever, and there's the guy over there. Oh, you call yourself a Christian, eh? You know, and it, it causes people to then now uh, blaspheme. And it says, by covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. Now, covetousness is interesting. Go back to the Ten Commandments, um, Exodus chapter 20, is verses 1 through 17, and you go through them. Um, I think, yeah, let's do that. Go back to Exodus 20 and just to see once here, if you would. 1 through 17. So uh, 1 through 17, I'm just going to read it, but uh, something I want you to keep in mind as you're going through this, which of these commandments are things that are done outwardly? And then he gets around to something a little closer to the heart, and and it's an interesting uh, observation because it's not something you might necessarily see in somebody but it's something that is actually sin, and it's it's within them. And God spoke all these words, saying, "I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image like any likeness of um, image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath." or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who has taken his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God in it you shall do no work you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea all that's in in it in them and the rest and rested the seventh day therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, and you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, all of those are outward things. All of those are things that you can see, that you can do. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Now, I can't tell if you're coveting anything if I look at you. You know, you could be thinking about who knows what right now that you might, you know, Uh, And so, a covetous thing is an inward thing. It's something that, uh, um, in fact, Jesus, uh, when he was talking to the Pharisees, you know, you've kept all these things. Well, but what about covetousness? You know, you've you've uh, done these. Anyway, um, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. And so, covetousness is how these guys are bringing in. We would. Basically, you know, without getting uh, name and names or calling out examples of something like that, but anytime something comes to you that sounds like it's a deal or a bargain, you know, something that's maybe you know it's not supposed to be this way, but I got a deal for you, man. You can you can get this real real cheap on a down low here. Just don't say nothing, and uh, you know all you gotta do is you know make sure that you take this and give it to some other folks too, you know, and so they get the thing going. Within the body, within the church, oftentimes because, you know, um, in, within our fellowship, we have all, all walks of life. We've got people that are struggling. We've got people that may have it easy, but maybe physically they're not doing so well. Or, you know, the Bible says that if you live a godly life, you'll suffer persecution. So as far as lifestyles go or as far as uh, the means that any of us have, it's often a tempting thing for people to take advantage of somebody who's in need, and uh, begin to introduce something that uh, you know you'll be all right if you can just get into this program with us, and you know let's let's set up a GoFundMe page for you because then we'll get all the believers that, to know about your problem, and then we'll we'll get you taken care of. But that's not how we operate. That's that's not how the Lord would ha- operate. You bring your needs, you know, you know, call it in the office and things like that, and we'll see if we can help you. But when you begin, when you begin to solicit the fellowship for things like that, you know, that's that's not how we operate. That's not how I think the Lord would have it. So that uh, people are feeling compelled to do something that maybe isn't joyful. You know, if you're going to give, it should be a joyful thing. I mean, if, if you if it's not a joyful thing, keep it. You know it, it, wait till the Lord gives it to you in such a fashion that that it 's such a joy for you to see that it 's something that blesses others and and uh, not by some kind of guilt or compulsion or or uh, you know something like that so don 't let people lay that on either you know that 's a way to introduce destructive heresies but so anything that denies the Lord who bought them now the next portion of this is basically three subjects. Um, the uh, you know I guess before I go on to that I was kind of ex- went on a little bit more than I thought I would but this kind of brings up some questions the Ten Commandments you know these these guys will exploit and use that word exploit means trade in traffic in import for sale so they're bringing goods you know uh, deceptive words the Greek there is interesting uh, it's the word plastos and up until about you know, 30 years ago, everybody knew that if it was made out of plastic, it was junk, right? You know, nowadays, everything's made out of plastic. Your car is made out of plastic. Um, your houses, everything, siding and all that. But uh, back in the day, it was it was basically, you know, plastic meant cheap and kind of empty and going to blow away in the wind. And if any of you are in the business of plastics, I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> Just the way it used to be. They've got better stuff now, I guess. Anyway, it's all going to pass away, right? Um, and so the, the word means uh, plastos, molded, formed, feigned, in other words, fake. You know, fake or flimsy, basically, is the idea of that word in the scriptures deceptive words. They're fake, they're flimsy. I mean, what, did, what does he say, you know, uh, by, by great swelling words, you know? And so um, now, how are you going to spot a fake? You know, uh, how, trying, you know, how are you going to know who's trying to exploit you uh, is a good question. And then why is it necessary to know that is a good question that comes from this. I mean, this is destructive, damnable, leads to hell. That's why it's important to know. So why is discernment important? And, and uh, you know, where are these false teachers and exploiters and deceivers? You know, where they're at? Well, the scripture says right here, they're among us. Okay I, I know that uh, you know I don't want anybody to be paranoid or start looking around suspicious at the guy you're sitting next to. I, that's not what I'm talking about here. Um, go back to um well what it what it seems to to mean, I think more than anything, is that it's easy for us to want to lean on our own understanding okay there there's a there's a a temptation for all of us to to try and uh, make God fit our minds. And this is where doctrine, false teaching comes from, because there, there are things of the Lord that are far above us. His ways are not our ways. You know, he, he, uh, if we lean on our own understanding, and, and, well, let's go to Psalm chapter 1, the first Psalm. Psalm 1, verse 1 Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruit in due season, whose leaf also shall not wither. Whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Is, so what we're getting at here is these are the guys that are coming in and they want to give us counsel and don't walk in that. Proverbs 3, verse 5 is um, another one. We'd go to just a few pages to, the, or towards the end of Psalms there, obviously. It talks about uh, uh, leading up to this... Um, well, let's just read it. Verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It'll be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Um, you know, leaning to our own understanding is kind of what I'm getting at. There's, there's a, it's a temptation for us to try and make God fit into what we know when in fact we need to be conformed into his image, not have him conformed into our image. And so when we study the scriptures, we learn, we get to know there are some passages we may come across, and when we do, uh, in fact, later on in Peter, uh, some of these guys, basically, they, they wrestle with some of the things Paul taught, and as a result, they, they uh, um, you know, to their own destruction, because they, they want to make it fit their own understanding. Uh, Romans, Romans, um, Romans 16 verses 17 through 20 talks about, uh, you know, uh, noting those, take note of those who cause division and offenses contrary to doctrine. There's times I kind of wish I just didn't even know. I I really don't. I've got enough of my own issues that sometimes I don't want to really know the sins of somebody else. Um, You know, confess them before the Lord and, and all, and nevertheless, if you need to come to the brethren, yes, absolutely come to the brethren. But they're, at a certain point, you know, we need to point these guys out. And there has to be a point at which we recognize them for who? For the sake of the fellowship, for the sake of the, 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 the people here in our church that may be brand-new believer that doesn't know, uh, you know, what's wrong with being a Mormon, what's wrong with being a... I've, I've talked to guys that, oh, yeah, the Mormons, they got it too. You know, they just got a different thing. It's a completely different God. It is a God not of the Bible. You might talk about the scriptures, you might quote scriptures, but then when you add to the scriptures something new and different or untrue about the Lord, you've now just taken those and perverted that into something other than the true Jesus of the Bible. You now have a different Jesus. You don't have the true Jesus of the Bible. And, and it's a false God. You've, you've created it so that it fits into your own thinking and so it, you've basically made it into your, your own image. So the... Back to Second Peter chapter two. The next, there are three basic paragraphs here. Three subjects. If you were to do an inductive Bible study, like I talked about before, you take a notebook, you take a pad. At the top, you draw two lines down. You know, so you got thirds. And at the top, you would put down uh, these three different uh, descriptions of these these false teachers, false prophets. Um, verses four through uh, eleven describes their end, and I'm glad he starts there because we know that their end is, they're going to get taken care of. Uh, and so you'd want to put that at the top, or some here it says the doom of false teachers, as, as in the, my chapter height headings here. The second one, 12 through 17, um, their character, or lack thereof, and you'd put that at the top of the next column. And then uh, the last one is uh, their their tricks you know their their m o you know the the deceptions that they use, and so as a result then if you're doing this inductive study, you just make a list, you write it out by hand you 're rewriting the scriptures, which is good it 's always good to do, and you just basically underneath and you make and you start to see this list and you start to look at the character or the the nature of what they 're talking about, so basically that 's kind of what we 're doing here i'm going to do a little bit of a word study on them, but this is where you 're at um, in this most unpleasant chapter we have to study. Um, for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for punishment and did not spare the ancient world. Well, let's stop right there. So starting with the angels, if you go over to Jude, a couple of uh, uh, pages just before Revelation, it's probably four pages to your right and you read verse 6, there's the account here um, of these angels. Again, Jude wanted to remind them too. In verse 5, I want to remind you, though once, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. And so uh, we, we know that um, Jesus, what did he say about the angels? He saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And uh, so these guys are going to get their due. And as for right now, they're being held captive. So, and his point being here, if he's able to do this, or if he has done this, he's obviously able. And so he did not spare the ancient world also, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in in the flood on the world of the ungodly. Okay, the next topic there is is Genesis 6, where uh, we know of uh, the earth was filled with violence. I don't want to go there because we wouldn't be able to get through all of these, but uh, if you're familiar, obviously, if not, Genesis 6, where the account of the flood and the state of the world prior to the flood, now keeping in mind that today, you know, Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so they shall be at the end, and here we are now. If you want to read through that and just see exactly what's going on, the earth was filled with violence. Now, up here in little old Appleton, Wisconsin, it's kind of a little bit of a bubble that we live in around here. Recently, there's been a little bit more of that type of uh, stuff going on around here, but there are parts of the world where violence... um, uh, is It it wasn't that long ago. I can't remember the name of the, the, the country in Africa, where uh, hundreds of Christians were slaughtered by Muslims, just for being Christians, and um, it's it's something that's filling the earth. If we don't see it up here, we certainly see it on the TV. If you care to watch TV or the news, but um, there's there's an account more than you'll ever see. You'll never hear that account on TV. They're not going to tell you about Christians getting murdered. They're, that's not. Part of the thing they want you to know, they want you to know that everything's hunky-dory and everybody's happy, and keep you sleepy. Um, so, but anyway, see, the ancient world, he brought the flood on the ungodly. Now he saved Noah, you know, out of that one of the eight. And so, as a as a result, he's he's making his point here. This is their end. He reserved them. He judged the world, but he's also making a point about able to take care of those that are dealing with this. And so on he goes to, to turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. And then on to say, he delivered righteous Lot, who was uh, oppressed by filthy the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. And then he finishes his thought then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation if he if He saved um, you know noah and in the flood and he was able to save lot um, He is able to save us, and the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve these other guys under punishment for the day of judgment now and it goes on to say, and especially those who walk and he's kind of turning the the corner here getting back to the subject at hand which is false teachers among us all right so these are the guys and especially those who are going to be judged and he's saying they're going to get their due who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness you know they they want to make it as as bad as they can they want to get away with as much as they can get away with they despise authority and we see that in our country we see it around the world and uh Sometimes it creeps into the church. Oh, you don't have to pay taxes. No, let me show you how not to pay your taxes. You know, I've 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 heard that in a church building. Um they are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. You remember when they when they in Jude it talks about the uh, they fought over the body of Moses, you know, and, and uh, Michael would not raise his voice uh, and say anything evil about the enemy even. And so we have a list. Now, let's go to, um, uh, you know, talking about being able to deliver out of temptation. Uh, if we want to go to 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, and then... Um, you know we'll see once well we can we can pick it up even uh back in six just to get context Now these things became our examples to the intent that they that uh, we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, kind of exactly what we're talking about here, and do not become idolaters as some of them uh as it was written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, nor let us commit commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain as some of them complained, also complain and and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happen to them as examples, and they are written for admonition upon whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed, Lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you, such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And, um, you know, the word escape is going to come up a little bit later on uh, because these guys are not going to escape judgment, is what uh, Peter is going to get on to talk about. But we have this promise right here in front of us that, and we've all been tempted. Um, we have this promise right here in front of us that that uh, when that t- temptation comes, he will provide an escape for us. And he knows how to provide it. He knows exactly what we're going through. He was tempted in all ways that we were tempted so he could be for us a propitiation uh, and a high priest able to, to understand, know exactly what we dealt with. And he provides that. Um, so... God knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Now and also, the other side of that, what the whole context of it is, to reserve the unjust for judgment. So the unjust, you make your list about just simply that. They walk around according to the flesh. While I'm reading this, flip over to Galatians 5. Um, The lust of uncleanness. This is your list of what he just gave us in 2 Peter. They defile, contaminate, pollute morally. Is that uncleanness? They despise authority, and that's Jude 8. I quoted that for you. Um, They're presumptuous. They just, you know, everything is just right there for them. They presume it's going to be for them. They're self-willed. You know, that's the opposite of what we are. That's the opposite of what the Lord is. Lord, let thy will be done, not my will be done. And they speak evil of dignitaries. And, you know, that can be something to do with politics, and that can be something to do with Satan. I've heard people sit and talk to Satan while they're praying, and I'm going, you know what? He doesn't need that attention. The Lord rebuke you is all we need. We don't need to sit and tell him what he's supposed to go do with himself. You know, he loves that attention. Um, so Galatians 5:19, while you were turning out, was not. Um, and what we're talking about are the, the lusts of the flesh... In contrast, Galatians is a great book to use to study or to use your study skills with regards to finding contrasts and, and doing that inductive study. Uh, but verses five nineteen um, will do a contrast between the, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. Now, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry sorcery which is pharmacia which is abusing drugs hatred contentions jealousies outbursts really jealousies I, that's that's the flesh i thought you know i could be jealous no uh, contentious well you know i guess i kind of thought i could at least fight a little bit back you know well no that's that's part of the flesh is to be contentious and to to pick and poke at everything that comes your way that you don't like Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, envy. That's all I got to do to be in the flesh is to envy a little bit. Murders, obviously we all think of that one. Drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Oh boy, I'm not going to come to your house during a Packer game. I know that, during revelries, all right. So, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The damnable heresies that these guys are introducing are going to get you comfortable with maybe the little one, right? Maybe a little bit of envy, maybe a little bit of hooting and hollering, you know? And so it begins, it always begins... Again, they're trained, and we'll talk about that. Whenever you train, you start, you start little, and then you work your way. Okay, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, and that's agape love, selfless love, joy and peace, long-suffering, bearing up under for a long time if necessary, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. Uh, let's not become conceited, provoking, provoking one another, envying one another. You know Well, I don't want to have examples for that. I think if you go and, and you know search your heart and let the Lord do what He does, and you go to him with it, you know, again. None of this means anything if you don 't have a one on one with the lord it 's easy to have a subject and it 's easy to talk about things uh, from the Word and explain what they mean, what the writer meant, and to do an inductive bible study and it 's all going to be just uh, an English class if you don 't have a one on one with the lord and so in order to do that, you read this list and you take it to the Lord and you say, "Lord, search me you know, and you know create me a clean heart and and by your spirit, give me the strength not to do these things. I mean, he, he says, you know, we've crucified the flesh. Well, Paul says you got to wake up every morning and pick up your cross and follow after him because the cross is where we crucify our flesh. And so basically that is the, uh, those that walk according to the flesh, flesh in, in lust and, and uh, uncleanness, despising authority. So the next uh, column is where you put the list of these. It says, but these, now he's talking about their character. Um, first you learned about their end, and they're, they're going to get their due. It'll be a perfect judgment by a perfect God. But these, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed. In other words, they're just wild. There's There's just nothing that they're going to listen to speaking evil of things that they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption. Now, it's interesting, he says something, where did he say that earlier? Uh, um, that they they basically have great, well, it's down actually in the next list, great swelling words of emptiness. Uh, you know, it, it's amazing how you can watch just the news and you'll not hear anything that means anything to you that matters it's it's it just doesn't seem to have that uh you know meat to you now obviously there are other places you can get your news and there's there's things we watch obviously to see how the lord is coming to bring about uh his uh, his soon coming and so we look for that we're we're watching and waiting and and we look at the news and we also pray for our brothers that do Suffer persecution around the world, and so we look at you know different uh, organizations that do that so there 's ways to get your news uh, to learn how things are but uh, anyway, so these guys um, they 're talking about things they don 't understand uh, or they speak evil of things they don 't understand and it 's kind of like if you want to explain scripture to somebody, you want to explain that exposes or the light of the word begins to expose. And they just say, well, I don't, I don't understand that. I don't know why I can't do that. You know, that that's, doesn't make sense. And they're willing to just allow that corruption, which is what happens when you hide the truth. And we know all about corruption in our country today. I mean, you're seeing it all over the place. It's, it's unbelievable how people just simply ignore their own corruption so they can go after something else. And I don't think we've ever seen an example like that in history uh, that I know of where it's such an obvious, deep, well of corruption, that's just you seeing the top skim and they're just smiling, I'm fine, I didn't do that, you know, you did that. Um, And it's just an amazing uh, thing to see. Um, So anyways, we see that they they receive the wages of unrighteousness. As those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime, they're partying, their spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions, while they feast with you, here we are again. We're having, you know, our get-togethers and whatever. And we enjoy fellowship. We enjoy being safe here from lies, we hope. We, we, we enjoy being able to have fellowship. We enjoy being able to attend, uh, like, in a week or, so the, or two weeks, the uh, men's stake and study. And uh, be able to have fellowship and do that. The women's luncheons they just had, or they're about to have this this Sunday, you know, over in Green Lake. And and so there are functions. You you would want to be able to go there, be edified, be able to share, be able to uh, know that you're among friends and trustworthy people. That if nothing else, they're broken too and looking for a savior. But these guys, they're right amongst some of that carousing if you will fellowshipping glad handing hey how are you you know haven't seen you since two days ago Um, and so that type of thing is then you know right there with our feasts right there with the thing that we want to enjoy with our fellowship and having our koinonia now that's that may be true nevertheless don't forget their end we've already discussed their end the Lord's going to take care of this Um adultery okay so having eyes full of adultery they cannot cease from sin un- enticing unstable souls and so you remember when when uh israel left egypt and they were going through and they were still wandering in the desert and they went past the amalekites well the amalekites they would come along and they would wait for the stragglers and the stragglers would be hanging back maybe a hundred yards or maybe more and and uh, just walking along and they you know the Soldiers are leading the charge. They're up front, and uh, those that are healthy and can keep going, and all. But it literally says that the Amalekites would come along and pick off the weak and the lame that were falling behind. You know. And now we know how the Lord had asked that the Amalekites be completely eradicated, and and we know Saul failed to do that. That's all another Bible study. Um, but uh, so that is the nature of this type of person. That is their character, or lack thereof. They're looking for the weak. They're looking to exploit. You know, it talks about in in uh, um, Timothy where they're going to seek to come in and uh, take captive weak-willed women. You know, maybe a widow, maybe somebody who needs help with her with her windows being you know cocked or something like that. And oh, sure, I'll help. And then they come in and they're scoping out the the jewelry and whatever, you know. And so it's that type of thing where that's their motive right up front and that they're, that they're trying to do this. Um, they have forsaken the right way. What? Did they know the right way? They have gone away following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. And we know that story. If not, uh, uh, where is Balaam? Um... Numbers 22, um, they have forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam, who loved the, the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. Now it says, these are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, tempest for whom is reserved, here it is again, the blackest blackness of darkness forever. Now, it's funny because uh, the wells without water and these guys that uh, speak swelling words of emptiness, and it says they allure. Uh, as we get into um, the next bunch, now we're starting to see what their tricks are. Uh, we see their character, and that is um, something that maybe will the lord will open your eyes to and like i said it's not something that because of this we're just supposed to look at each other paranoid and, and suspicious and untrusting trust the lord with that the lord's going to take care of it you know there's times when you know we have to step in and say wait a minute that's out of line you need to uh, that needs a correction you're not going to be deceiving our our people like that so uh, but so the final one here is uh, their tricks. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, and they, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped those who live in error. Now, if you look at Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, we talked about this. This is who, who are the ones that, who have escaped and so in verse 4 it says by the, you know we're partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust it's us so right here in this you know in our fellowship these guys are trying to allure us you know they are trying to use great swelling words now it might not be here i hope it's not here it should never be here it hasn't ever been here that i know of but it could be on your tv when you go home and you check out some you know, nationwide preacher, you know, or some, uh, you know, TV evangelist or so that, that uh, has these great swelling words, and there's a one or two of them I won't name by name, although I should. I just don't have the facts about them, so I don't want to do that. But it was fun to literally turn down the TV and just watch the mouth go because it was so animated. It was kind of like a cartoon. But anyway, <laughs> I shouldn't mock, you know, because they're the mockers. We're not. Um, so while they, and here's the thing, so we're talking about believers that have actually escaped and now they're being allured back because these guys, in verse 19, are promising them liberty and they themselves are slaves of corruption. You know, For by whom a person is overcome, by him he is also brought into bondage. You know, you, you talk about an addiction and I'm not going to say anything about how you may or may not have overcome anything you may or may not have overcome you know, that's between you and the Lord and, and what you needed at the time you needed it. And I would trust the Lord for absolutely everything and calling him for every need rather than trusting in a uh, a, a process. You know, I don't know. Uh, everybody has a, has a something, but you know what? He is almighty God and he can take care of all of it. Um, and there are obviously some, some ways to be wise about this, you know, sort of things, you know, cold turkey and all this and that. But you know that might not be the the best thing necessarily either so but anyway all that to say this um you know they are being brought into bondage you start playing a little bit with something in that list of the the things of the flesh it's only a matter of time because before it becomes a bigger thing and then moves on to a little bit more of a of a of a more serious sin and pretty soon you're just numb to it. You don't even recognize it anymore. You you just do it every day because it's something you started out, and it's right there. Again, examples. You know, I don't want to do that because you know it's it's something you could think. Well, that's not me. Well, there's something that's you because every one of us struggles with the flesh, and every one of us needs to know that you have to. Uh, not allow it to get a, to get a stronghold to, to take root because once it does, it brings you into bondage. You now become a slave to it. And it's not like you're getting away with it and enjoying it. It's something you're a slave to. Okay, so uh, so for if after, in verse 20, if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, these are saved people, these are believers, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her own wallowing in the mire. You know, it is a... um, It is a possibility I don't know about you I don't I know about me I know what I know and I know what the Lord has done in my life I know the mistakes that I've made and I know that I have called on him and been uh, forgiven many times and every day really and it's something that we all need to, to call on him. You know, his mercies are new every morning because we need his mercy again every morning. And so it's not something that we should uh, necessarily say, well, that can't be me. But here's the thing. There are those that don't uh, call on the Lord. They really begin to then say, you know, I really like this. And because I got this heresy up here that denies who the Lord is, now I got a false God. Now I've got a Jesus made in my own image who lets me get drunk. Yeah, I can do that, you know, because at first it was just a little, you know. But now, you know, it's it just grows into more and more. Or lets me go watch that program. Or lets me gossip about that husband. Or lets me disrespect that person. and And there's... All kinds of uh, little things that that will go, and eventually we need to realize that we have to turn and repent from that, we have to confess it, we have to ask god 's forgiveness, and we have to walk in the light again, in other words, the light is shining on that thing, and you cannot get away with it if it 's in the light and so um, all that to say, you know we have um, the the fact here, it plainly, I think, says that these people knew the Lord. It said they had the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And without tying into the whole once saved, always saved, as opposed to who can fall away, you know, both are true. Both are true because I know that nothing can separate me from the love of God. You know, the, the Father holds me in his hand and Jesus has me covered. Good luck getting me out of that. That's where I am, between the two most powerful hands in the universe. And so I know where I'm at. Now, am I perfect? Am, am I never going to make another mistake? Well, no, of course not. Am I going to then start to maybe get into something that I shouldn't and say, you know what, I think uh, I'm just going to kind of forget the Jesus of the Bible I'm going to start to turn him into. You know, I know I'm not going to, but it's possible. And I think that when you get back to this, it says in First uh, in Peter chapter 1, ending on, A more positive note after all of this, um, unpleasant things about these guys. It says in verse 5 and through 7 and then verse 11, it says, but also for this very reason, give diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brother ki- brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. And then down to verse 11. And therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling or, an election. Sure, that's not verse 11. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's us. That's what we're gonna do. If there is among us, these other guys, you know what? You can repent. You can turn. If you've got something you're trying to sell, if you've got something you're trying to convince people of, if it's something that distracts and takes away from their walk with the Lord, if it's unedifying, if it means you're getting away with a little bit more than you used to get away with, repent. Repent. You know, all it means is you turn around and call on the Lord. We're going to heaven soon. We're going to be in the kingdom soon. That's glorious. If ever there was a place for an amen, that's an amen. So let's uh, stand and pray, stretch your legs. and Thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy and for keeping us in your hand and bringing us to your kingdom. And uh, Lord, we do, all of us, desire for you to come. So Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. And, and we know that your patience is uh, that, that more would come to know you and you desire that none would perish. And so, Lord, we do ask that you would draw as many as you can. And, Lord, I pray that uh, we leave here tonight with light and that we would not hide it under a bushel, that we would uh, just, uh, whoever you put in front of us, whatever opportunities you provide, that we'd be willing and step in and share you and your love. So we thank you for tonight, and I pray you'd send us on our way in grace and peace and love. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen we should uh, necessarily say well that can't be me but here's the thing there are those that don't uh, call on the lord they really begin to then say you know i really like this and because i got this heresy up here that denies who the lord is now i got a false god now i've got a jesus made in my own image who lets me get drunk yeah, I can do that, you know, because at first it was just a little, you know, but now, you know, it's it just grows into more and more or lets me go watch that program or lets me gossip about that husband or lets me disrespect that person. And and there's all kinds of uh, little things that, that will go and eventually we need to realize that we have to turn and repent from that. We have to confess it. We have to ask God's forgiveness and we have to walk in the light again In other words, the light is shining on that thing and you cannot get away with it if it's in the light. And so um, all that to say, you know, we have, um, the, the fact here plainly I think says that these people knew the Lord. It said they had the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And without tying into the whole once saved, always saved, as opposed to who can fall away, you know, both are true. Both are true because I know that nothing can separate me from the love of God. You know, the, the Father holds me in his hand and Jesus has me covered. Good luck getting me out of that. That's where I am, between the two most powerful hands in the universe. And so I know where I'm at. Now, am I perfect? Am, am I never going to make another mistake? Well, no, of course not. Am I going to then start to maybe get into something that I shouldn't and say, you know what? I think uh, I'm just going to kind of forget the Jesus of the Bible. I'm going to start to turn him into, you know, I know I'm not going to, but it's possible. And I think that when you get back to this, it says in, uh, in first Peter chapter one, ending on a more positive note after all of this, um, unpleasant things about these guys. It says in verse five, um, and through 7 and then verse 11 it says but also for this very reason give diligence add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control to self-control perseverance to perseverance godliness to godliness brother ki- brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love and then down to verse 11 and therefore brethren be even more diligent to make your calling or an election sure that's not verse 11 For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's us. That's what we're going to do. If there is among us, these other guys, you know what? You can repent. You can turn. If you've got something you're trying to sell, if you've got something you're trying to convince people of, if it's something that distracts and takes away from their walk with the Lord, if it's unedifying, if it means you're getting away with a little bit more than you used to get away with, repent, repent. You know, all it means is you turn around call on the Lord. We're going to heaven soon. We're going to be in the kingdom soon. That's glorious. If ever there was a place for an amen, that's an amen. So let's uh, stand and pray, stretch your legs and, Thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy and for keeping us in your hand and bringing us to your kingdom and uh, Lord, we do all of us desire for you to come, so Maranatha, Lord, come quickly, and and we know that your patience is uh, that that more would come to know you, and you desire that none would perish. And so, Lord, we do ask that you would draw as many as you can. And, Lord, I pray that uh, we leave here tonight with light and that we would not hide it under a bushel, that we would uh, just, uh, whoever you put in front of us, whatever opportunities you provide, that we'd be willing and step in and share you and your love. So we thank you for tonight, and I pray you'd send us on our way in grace and peace and love, Lord Jesus' name. Amen.